Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our resistance recap for this week. It's here and it's on time. <laughs> it is on time. It's on time. Even though we don't have a set schedule for resistance, we just like are always really excited to talk about the episode. Um, but last week it was late uh, by. A couple days. It wasn't even like it was two weeks late or something. It was like three days late. <laughs> but it felt like forever. <laughs> it really did feel like forever. Um, but now we're back coming at you with a recap of the Resistance episode, First Order Occupation. Yes, this was such a good episode. Mm-hmm. It aired today, <laughs> February 3rd. <laughs> it was directed by Bosco Ng and written by Kevin Burke and Chris Doc Wyatt. Whenever I see someone who has the nickname of Doc, I can't help but think of the Seven Dwarves. I know. Me too. It's funny. Like, ah, Doc, the leader of the dwarves. I think I may be wrong about this, but regardless, I don't think Chris Doc Wyatt has ever written a Resistance episode before. I don't think so. Yeah, Bosco and Kevin we've seen. Mm -hmm, Exactly. But But the duo. But but Doc, not yet. Yeah, exactly. So intriguing. Mm -hmm. Um. I have to say this episode felt a little different, so maybe that was the the additional writer. Hmm. Um, at least it felt a little different to me, um, and we'll talk about that. But it was a really good episode, and things are really – like, the game's afoot, you know? <laughs> Charlotte, in, like, three different text messages and conversations, I feel like this weekend, has referenced the game's afoot. <laughs> like I don't know why. Saying. It's not my new saying. It's just Sherlock Holmes' I know. Like, are you old saying. A, have, you, have you been watching Sherlock? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> The game's afoot. It just it doesn't it feel like the game is afoot. It <laughs> you know, it does in fact feel like the game is afoot. It really is. It really is. Okay. So in our resistance episode, if this is your first time listening, we do we split up into three parts. And in part one, we discuss our highs and lows for the episode. In part two, we discuss the story. And in part three, we discuss the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. All right. Welcome to part one where we're talking all about our highs and lows. And Charlotte, you went first last week, so I will go first this week. Good. And Good. (laughs) (laughs) The highs and lows are afoot. So my first high was Kaz trying to woo Sonara all throughout this episode and her just being like, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the whole time like when he was like no need for sensitive goodbyes and she was like sensitive <laughs> that was so funny it was really funny <laughs> he was like that's not what i meant that's definitely not what i meant <laughs> um and then i think the the time the one i laughed out loud most at was at the end with the escape pods and he's like so long and then he goes to try and close it but he can't <laughs> he can't close the escape pod door and he's just like jumping on top of it basically <laughs> It's just so funny because Kaz just kept having to try to make that romantic moment mm-hmm. or like not even romantic, just like dramatic. He like yeah. he really felt like this was something big and it was, yeah. but it was so funny how he navigated that because it was just, of course, like so clumsily. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, it's funny because they, they definitely um, – they're definitely like parallels to some of our other will-they-won't-they they couples mm-hmm. in Star Wars, um, like the elevator with Rey and Kylo and the <laughs> elevator with um, – Jin and Cassian, and someone else has an elevator scene too. They all have elevators. Everyone has an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) And then the like that moment at the escape pod reminded me so much of Lux and Ahsoka too. 
when Ooh. they part yeah mm-hmm, i took it back i took it back to Lexoka, <laughs> and i know a lot of people aren't Hate Lexoka it. fans yeah. <laughs> i am though okay troubled waters <laughs> we're navigating right now <laughs> no one is surprised either that i'm a Lexoka fan let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> again like with most of my star wars characters i just want them to be happy so yeah I don't know. And anyway, I really liked the the conflict that came up with Anakin and Ahsoka when we had Lux in the picture. Anyway, um, but it reminded me of that moment after they leave um, the the Manda the Mandos. I forget what their clan was called. The Death Watch. Death Watch. Um, after they leave Death Watch, and Ahsoka's like, "We'll go back to the Jedi Order. Everything will be great." And Lux leaves, and they have like this. They have this super dramatic moment at the escape pod with like their hands touching the window, and like, "Goodbye, my love. I'll see you not." And Sinar and Kaz had a similar moment. <laughs> yeah, they did. But it's Except- evolved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. So it was your first time. Um, I loved the complicated politics of the fact that the First Order is now on the Colossus and that they really drove it home that people don't really know how to feel about that. Like, not even know how to feel. I like how it was up for question whether or not this was good or bad and mm-hmm. that it allowed the audience to think more about, well, maybe this is okay. Things are safe. But in the back of our minds, we know the First Order is bad. Yeah. So it's not not good at all. But it was interesting to see how they played that up with Tam even being a little like, it's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting um, tidbit when it comes to the First Order. But I think we should save that convo for part two. Agreed. Um, because I think it was really – I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So my second high was the animation of Sonara in the water. Basically, that whole sequence of scenes from when she blasts out of the Colossus to the water beast that, like, with the glowing eyes that's kind of behind her, you really get that sense of scale and, like, 20,000 leagues under the sea kind of vibe. And then, like, when her escape pod pops up and she's just sitting there, like, in the moonlight and, like, waiting. I don't know. I just thought it looked really beautiful, the animation and the artwork of the setting and everything. There's a couple of things that I was reminded of with those two sequences. First, when we saw the sea monster with the pot against her, we have precedent in the story of, you know, in The Phantom Menace Mm -hmm. when the bongo is down in the water and you think of Qui-Gon's voice saying there's always a bigger fish. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was wondering, like, what is the bigger fish? Like, um, the sea monster is not going to get the pod but in that moment you think like oh it it possibly could but the fact that Sonara like gets away I don't know I'm trying to like think it's like kind of metaphorical in a way to think about how even her getting away and like rejoining the pirates is almost the bigger fish in a way is that that's like a different kind of evil that is allowing to persist and I don't really know how we're gonna see that happen but um there really was that in in a way that like will the beast get the pod or not Mm -hmm. and it makes me think like why not why didn't they do that you know yeah um is that the same beast that we saw in your story okay I thought so but I couldn't I didn't remember the details of what that beast looked like. And then the other moment that I thought was really reminiscent was when Sonara, like you said, they had there was that really great quiet moment where she pops out of the pod and kind of sits there and you're wondering what she's thinking. And I think that you have a similar moment there with Ray when she's sitting outside of her ATAT house. Mm. 
and she's looking up. It was like a similar like body format and they're both scavengers. It's like it's easy to draw that connection. Yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, I think that's a really good connection. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your second high? Okay, so my second high was really simple. I love the will they, won't they between Sonara and Kaz. Just Mm -hmm. so fun. I love this relationship. It is turning out to be one of my favorites. Yeah, agreed. It's good. Again, it's funny because it's very one-sided, clearly. But But that's kind of why I love it. I love how, like, dopey Kaz is about Mm -hmm. it. He's, like, so clumsy um, and so clearly has a crush on her but, like, kind of won't admit it. And everyone around knows, and it's just funny. <laughs> he was – our boy was so clumsy in this episode. I don't think – He's I think literally head over heels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever seen him this clumsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, though, there's just this little shot in the beginning when we first see Sonara, and she's agreed to, like, work the night shift or something. And it's almost a blink if you miss it. But in the the far, far background of the shot, you see Kaz sneaking into the area <laughs> and his just, sneak pose yeah. it's just so <laughs> you just it's like he, he's literally like a dot on screen i feel like but he's there sneaking you see that little pop of green in and out of these different like containers and stuff that he's walking through and it's just really funny um okay so now time for our lows so my low of this episode was i really felt like the tam and sonara storyline and friendship got dropped yeah. And that really disappoints me because I remember the first – like the first episode we had with Sonara with like any real meat to it was about her relationship with Tam and how we were so excited about that and they like formed this great basis of a relationship. And at the time, we speculated that they were going to be on screen together more and we would see them enjoy each other's company and stuff. And we haven't really since then. And now Sonara is gone for the time being at least. Um, And I don't know. For me, that was really disappointing that they really did kind of drop that friendship. And Sonara doesn't really even ever talk about Tam either. Um, Mm -hmm. Tam brings it up in all of the episodes that Sonara is in. But Sonara doesn't really. And I don't know. That just – that kind of makes me sad because they've had such a good thing going. I agree. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. It was a bummer. My low was the pace of this episode felt a little different to me. And I think this is what I was referencing before about the the new writer that kind of felt a little unfamiliar. But I also think that maybe that was by design. Like there was this uh, overwhelming sense of dread that was kind of crawling on. And I felt that in the pacing, which maybe isn't a negative, but it did feel a little different to me. Hmm. Yeah, I like the pace of this episode, actually. I feel like you and I have very different um, perceptions of the pace. Perceptions of pacing, because I feel like when we dis- – not when we disagree, but our like episodes that I haven't liked, the pacing of you've really liked or haven't had a problem with. Maybe it's just like what I bring into it when I watch it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I like the pacing because I like how it was the – like the stormtroopers chasing them and kind of pushing mm-hmm. them further and further outside of the Colossus and into kind of more dire, dire situations. Um, yeah. So, but you're right. It wasn't like – it It was almost like a Last Jedi kind of pace where they're just kind of slowly moving together, the First Order and the Resistance. Yeah. Like closer and then a little further and then closer and then further. Um, right. Because it wasn't like we just saw them constantly running in circles. Like they would run in circles and then – or try a different escape route, take a breath, talk a little, and then like start again. It's just kind of shocking to me how much actually happens in the show, yeah. like in an episode. If you really think about it, how much is packed in, it kind of blows my mind that this is only a 20-minute runtime. Mm-hmm. 22. Let's not forget Still. the two. 
Still. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There there was definitely a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the story. Let's. Okay, so welcome to part two where we're talking about the story, and we always start with this one question with two parts. <laughs> <laughs> what is the state of the First Order, and what is the state of the Colossus? They are one. <laughs> Exactly. Which also reminds me, again, when's the last time we referenced this, of The Lion King 2? Lion King 2 has a song called We Are One, right? Yeah, but it's like romantic. It's fine. (laughs) I'm just saying, there are a lot of parallels of the sequel trilogy to The Lion King 2, and I think we have to ask the question, why? (laughs) This is not one, Caitlin. (laughs) Anyway, I feel like we've been like really building to this moment where Mm – the First Order is now here. Like, obviously, the title of this episode is The First Order Occupations. So, like, we knew what we were getting in, in for, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> you could tell. But I think that it just, like, what happened here in this episode really surprised me. And I said this as my high because I was surprised that people weren't, like, the, the Colossus wasn't, like, up in arms about the First Order being there. And I think that you see, like, trickles of it, like, being problematic. But a lot of the citizens were like, it's so great that the First Order is here now. Like, the Colossus has never been safer. And it's true. Like, they were having issues with the pirates, and now they're not. So I can understand, like, as, like, a lowly citizen, how from the outside it could seem fine. Yeah, it was – I think you're right. It was really surprising. But I don't – and I think maybe the episode could have done a better job at this of showing how there was this duality or or maybe how the First Order was acting one way towards certain citizens and another towards others. Because yes. Tam is really the only one – correct me if I'm wrong, but Tam is the only one in the episode who's like, it's fine. They, like, what do you mean you have a problem with the First Order? Like, they saved Torah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas every other interaction of the first order we see with other citizens outside of like Kaz and Sonara is very negative. Um, yeah. But I think Tam brought up like such an interesting point of view that I would have liked to see that in some other characters too, like on the periphery of the episode. Well, there definitely is like a theme that you could kind of analyze in this episode about how the non-humanoid characters were the ones that were targeted by the first or the, the yeah, first order stormtroopers. And I wonder if like. Is are they kind of leaning towards like mm-hmm. the racism angle or or what? But I think that you can make that argument that that's kind of what they were trying to go for. Yeah. I don't know if it was really well executed, and maybe it will be in the future. But it was interesting that they made that choice, and yeah. it was clear. Like you could see how I don't know. You immediately know that the first order is bad. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's that other thing. Also, like you have to think about what is the perception of the first order in star wars right now in the galaxy like is it still really like a small faction or is it just bigger and at this point are i don't know it's 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 a weird thing because right now the republic exists and like so what do the what does the colossus think about this like external force this like opposing side taking over the colossus it's bizarre to me that they wouldn't have a problem with this when they're under new republic rule or are they not I don't know because that's that's like our characters were kind of trapped on the Colossus. Yeah. And so we don't know. And that was my question too. Like does Tam even know that the Resistance is a thing that exists? Because I know it's been – like other characters have talked about the Resistance, but I can't pinpoint who and where and under what circumstance. Um, I feel like Tora has talked about the Resistance before. 
Um, but I honestly can't remember other characters. So if you listeners remember, you'll have to let me know. But I don't know if Tam ever has. And so what kind of news gets to the Colossus? Yeah, it is kind of surprising that we haven't really seen much of the New Republic government mm-hmm. or even like really any mention of it because the prequels did this where you could kind of see that propaganda piece of it even if it was in the background of the prequel films like different posters and things like that and and in Clone Wars especially we saw that and in Rebels you can kind of see these moments of propaganda um, throughout those films and that's not something we've really seen in Resistance yet and as as people who haven't read books like Aftermath, it's kind of hard, like you were saying, to pinpoint what exactly people know and or what's being fed to them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it is confusing, especially when you're right, like we're seeing the First Order act a certain way towards non-humanoid creatures. And then someone like Tam, really the only only Tam is like, that's fine. It's yeah. totally fine. When we know that Tam is super smart and – like a like, her first mode I think is suspicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> True. So like she's not like if something were amiss, she would be one of the first people to be like, "Hey, something's am- the game's afoot. What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> I think you just misused a game. I think games I did afoot. too, but I I really just wanted to slide it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just looked it up on Wikipedia about Castellan, and I think that like we're forgetting that it's part of the Outer Rim, which. Yeah. Like, you know, Star Wars has really gone far to prove that, like, some governing systems don't exist in the Outer Rim or it doesn't reach out there. Like, that, that was a big thing in The Phantom Menace, right? Yeah. And I I don't think it's really been covered here, but even on Wikipedia, it talks about how um, Castellan used to be an imperial, um, imperial uh, refueling station. So its past is kind of riddled with the Empire. So I wonder if it's like it's been so like outside of the government that it's really kind of like in general, it's kind of not that surprising that, you know, different governing systems would want to like take it over in a way. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's confusing to me because if it was operating as a refueling station, you would have had Imperial personnel there. So at the end of Return of yeah. the Jedi, what would have happened to them? Would the New Republic have like gone out and um, – what's the word? But like dismantled those setups. Mm-hmm. But then we know like Joza has an Imperial uniform. So like he was obviously a part of the Empire. And um, am I forgetting – like am I making this up? But some character today was talking about – it was Niku, wasn't it? About yeah. his grandfather or something or his father. Yes, talking about, talking about the, the, how the, bad the Empire the was. The Empire was, yeah. But then he but then Niku doesn't really seem to have a problem with the First Order. Well, no, I think like, he said something similar to Tam as well. And it was surprising to me, yet it's just it's surprising to me like our people like in the galaxy just not making the clear link between the empire and the first order or or are they really trying to like differentiate themselves i have no idea it's bizarre because what's happening right now is a cold war it's not necessarily like a full-on war it's like it's a bunch of like quiet you know um opposing sides right Mm -hmm. but i i don't know it's to me i feel like this is something that resist star wars resistance the show can do a little bit better and i think we'll get there especially with the trailer showing us hux and everything i know it's just like it's and and the fact that kaz's father is like part of the new republic 
Yeah. There's a lot there to kind of uncover. And I think this was I think we're asking these questions in this episode because this was the first episode that kind of really forced us to think about that moral dilemma, you know, about like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Like, because in the back of our minds, it's like pretty cartoonish, like villainy, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we've we've gotten in resistance so far in a way. Yeah. But we know, like, as the audience, we still know that the even even if like even if resistance is your is your entry point into Star Wars, right? You really have mm-hmm. no you have like basic social like society understanding of what Star Wars is. But resistance is the first thing that you're watching actively. Mm-hmm. As an audience, you still know that the first order is bad because of what you've seen them do with the pirates, basically. Mm-hmm. Like you can make that connection that they're using both the pirates and Doza to get onto the Colossus. So I think that I th- I don't I would be really surprised if there were any audience members who were feeling the same way like Tam was being like oh well they did save Tora but you know that like they didn't really save Tora they set up her kidnapping so I think you're right that Resistance could do a better job of I don't know I guess kind of laying out a bit more explicitly what kind of information is getting to the Colossus if any like mm-hmm. even if it was a throwaway line with someone like oh well we I haven't heard from, you know the last we heard from the New Republic was when they were first in like set up and that was you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. never going to hear from them again you know like right. some like even a background character saying that would f- give us some kind of framework to work with to understand why someone like Tam would be like well, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's really confusing. And I think you're right that we are going to be seeing more of this lately. But I guess for us, like, that seems to be the most – one of the most interesting parts of Resistance for, for us personally as viewers. And the fact that we're now in, like, the back half of the first season and we still don't really have all those answers, really any of them. And it seems like all of these big themes and, like, big plot points – such as like Kaz's father and Hosni and Prime and Hux and Kylo, they're all going to be compressed into like four episodes and like the compressed timeline that stresses me out. <laughs> I'm kind of stressed that like some of this stuff is going to be thrown out. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm kind of stressed that like Kaz's uh, father isn't really going to play a big part except yeah. for like when he dies. Yeah, me too, honestly. And and I think those are such important themes. Like gripping and- stories. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. But it's like how does – how do – I mean I think they all do relate back to Kaz and the Colossus because, you know, we talk about the Colossus a lot. It's like a major set piece and, and one of the big strengths of Resistance. But part of using the Colossus as this like condensed set piece is also kind of understanding how it functions within the wider galaxy. And I get that that's kind of part of the mystery of the Colossus right now. But even just like how our characters – I don't know how to explain it, but like as an audience, we're we're unraveling the mystery of the Colossus, but our characters have a basic understanding of like, okay, the Colossus is here in the in the galaxy. We don't get information from the inner rim. Mm-hmm. Like they know that. Like Tam knows how often people from Coruscant end up on the Colossus, and right. I feel like that kind of that kind of basic rudimentary information is something that we should have in the show, or at least a little bit more than what we do have. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I like, I don't know what I'm saying, but <laughs> no, I agree. I feel like there's just a lot more groundwork to be covered. Yeah, and I'm worried we need that... like a more of a sense of a place. 
Yeah. Like, I think we have a yeah. firm sense of place of the, of the Colossus itself, but yeah. in terms of the wider galaxy, we don't really necessarily have a huge sense of place. Exactly. I think I, – yeah, I think that's – you just summed up, like, my three minutes of babbling <laughs> into a nice, <laughs> succinct sense of place <laughs> within the wider galaxy. Done. <laughs> that's Can what we, we need. The pirates and, like, essentially Tam's – I'm not Tam, sorry. Um, Sonara's, like – redemption story in a way i know that we all talk about it more in our characters but like it was interesting we were a little wrong i think what do you mean i think not that we were wrong because things i guess i'm thinking of my pirate idea that they're gonna use sonara to get back at the first order um i still think i think that sonara is gonna use them oh you do yeah, and I think I said that last episode, and I kind of agree with myself again, <laughs> okay. because because I think that like her saying like ready, readier than ever, like it it surprises yeah. me. I think that that can obviously go two ways, and like that's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I feel like her, you know, all of this like. I don't I just don't want Cass to be wrong about Sonara and I don't think that he will be because her his compassion and his good guy ness shouldn't be like punished. I think that eventually all of these parts will like work together to take down the first order, but it's just a matter of time to see Sonara work within the pirates. That's that's of, what I think. I know, but now that she's off world or off the colossus and that's where we i don't know i'm kind of of i see what you're saying but part of me also wonders if if sonara's if we're kind of done with sonara i don't want to be done with i don't want to be done with sonara either but her the the word the the line you mentioned of her being like ready as ever to come back home she she didn't like there wasn't there were no visual cues to suggest that that wasn't true Mm-hmm. Um, even like the music, the look on her face, like all of those theme- things seem to indicate that she was actually ready to go back um, right. and like the tone of her voice. And that was what kind of threw me off with this episode because I didn't really think that we would see her actively trying to leave the Colossus and like not talk to Kaz or anyone else about it, um, given what we saw of her last episode of kind of having actual connections with these people whereas the first thing we see of her in this episode is her being like how do i get out and like talking to the to the pirates like get me off come pick me up pick me up now um so i'm kind of i'm, I'm kind of wondering if like maybe her story was really more just for kaz in the sense of like him still having compassion for her i don't know yeah, I don't know because I while I agree with you, there is that bit where he came where she comes back for him. Yeah. So it's like the theme of um Kaz like not being wrong about his instincts. That's kind of the whole thing to me is mm-hmm. that I think that Kaz we're supposed to as an audience know that Kaz's instincts are correct. Yeah. And that kind of sealed the deal for me. Where I was like, oh, he's like, he's, I mean, I've, we've known this forever and I've said this, that, you know, Kaz is a good guy. We trust Kaz. But here we have an instance where he's not wrong about somebody that he made a perception about that was like somewhat controversial. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. But she did leave in the end. I know. But he wanted her to. You yeah, know? I know. I know. So it, it's just, it's it's hard because I'm, I'm with you. I just don't really, I think what it says, I think you're right that it like, Unfortunately, I think her story serves Kaz's mm-hmm. um, 
in a way that, like I said, like it confirms that Cass has good instincts and he's a, a very good boy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I am with you and I wonder if we'll see her again. But in terms of themes, I think that I think this was like a half redemption arc. <laughs> yeah, we're not done. <laughs> But we're definitely leaning there. If she comes back, then she's going to come back as, like, a good guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think we we very well could see our storyline idea of the pirates using Sonara to get back onto the Colossus to get back at the First Order. I think there's still a good chance for that. But the pirates also did make a point of saying, like, we can't get within five clicks of the Colossus, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But – you know, now they know this way underwater, basically. So true. Who knows? True. I really hope we see Sonara back. And it'd be nice to see her being like, yes, I'm going back because the pirates are sending me back. But really, I'm going back to warn Kaz and Tam and Tora. Yeah. All uh, right. Let's talk about characters. Let's. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three where we're talking about characters. And we kind of already talked about Sonara a smidge in the last section. Let's talk about Kaz a little bit more in depth. Kaz in this episode was like 50% good spy, 50% bad spy. (laughs) (laughs) And it was it was weird how those were juxtaposed. Because on the one hand, I really liked how in the front end of the episode When the First Order was there, Kaz was 100% ready to just throw down. (laughs) And Yeager had to be like, slow your roll, cool your jets, kid. Like, that's not going to get you what you need. Which, on the one hand, I like how Kaz was so ready to act. But then I was like, come on, Kaz. Like, you know better than this. Like, you know that you can't just, you know, be like, I, Kaz, resist the First Order. And they'd be like, oh, you resist? Resistance? Spy. (laughs) (laughs) And then just like how clumsy he was. And (laughs) I mean, I know that was because of Sonara, but I was like, my God, Kat, I was walking a straight line, please. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I thought that piece of it was really interesting. The one other piece of this episode that I wish had been different or was a little let down by was that I – we talked about this a lot in the last episode about how Kaz was going to react to Sonara after finding out that she was the pirate spy. And I don't think we got time to like see Kaz really grapple with that because we mm-hmm. talked about, oh, is he going to lie for her? Is he going to confront her about it? Is he going to spill the beans to other people about it because he's angry at her? Um, and we didn't really see any of that. He just immediately like jumped to her rescue. And I wish we had seen more of him kind of grappling with that moral quandary. And I think he does a little bit where with BB-8 where he's like, yeah, but she's still a good person. But he never really addresses the like hurt that he clearly felt at the end of the last episode of finding out that she actually was a pirate and has in fact been lying to him. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I feel like we should have gotten more time on that. And maybe Kaz, I don't know, maybe the, the timing just didn't work out for this specific episode and maybe it will return to it in the future um with maybe Kaz spilling the beans later when it was like yeah if only we had Sonara and she he he could be like well she was a spy or something like that yeah but clearly he's okay with it 
through his yeah. actions. I don't know. That's what's like it's we talk a lot about Kaz going through this process in the first season of Resistance of opening his eyes similar to what happens with Finn in mm-hmm. the sequel trilogy of like what he's really fighting for because as we also point out a lot people just kind of tell Kaz things to do and he just like kind of does them the best he can mm-hmm. and it was like that with the resistance like Poe was like join the resistance and he was like okay but he doesn't really know what the resistance is doing and he doesn't really know what the first order is doing and he's slowly been putting the pieces together but he for him everything is still very black and white and Sonara even though he doesn't really know the depth of what is going on in either of these parties because in part he's on the Colossus and he's isolated on the Colossus again going back to sense of place of the Colossus mm-hmm. Sonara is really the first person that presents this moral quandary for him of yes she's good and we trust Kaz's instincts that she's good but she's also like really betrayed him in this instance Mm -hmm. um and betrayed the colossus and that like he doesn't i mean he who is he talking to bb8 i guess when they're like oh sonara was part of like she helped them kidnap torah he doesn't like even seem phased by that he's like yeah but 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 she helped save torah too you know whereas i i don't know i wanted him to grapple with that a little bit more well i do wonder if it's like because he himself is a spy too so he's Mm -hmm. like it's not all bad it's good too like just because i'm undercover like i'm wondering if he is like foreseeing himself being uncovered by his friends right now and he's like i'm not a bad Mm -hmm. guy just because i'm a spy just like she's not a bad person just because she's a spy you know, same with me. Like, I've done some crazy stuff. Yeah, but um, Kaz hasn't done anything bad and he's not with the bad guys. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I just – I wonder if he's, yeah. like, a little bit making it about himself. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's – I think that's a really good point, actually. Um, even though I don't think the story really suggests that, I think yeah. that's a really plausible inference into his character. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah – you can definitely see that because we have a little moment like that right when they're playing um, the game last episode where like Sadara is so good at the at the the blaster game and Kaz isn't. And I don't know. You can kind of see like Kaz kind of eyeing her suspiciously and like wondering that's before like he really knew what was going on. Um, so I don't know. I just – I wanted to see him be more emotional about it or question it because she was with the – with the bad guys, mm-hmm. whereas Kaz is not, and he and Kaz hasn't really ever done anything like super dubious like that <laughs> to like yeah. a, helping kidnap someone. Like all he's done is like save people and like return small creatures to their giant mothers. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. he hasn't really been involved in something that's done damage to other people, whereas Sonara has and Kaz knows it. And not only that, but it's to someone that he cares about too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> I love Kaz. I love Kaz. I do too. I feel like we've I, he's Kaz also a hard come time. in a long way. <laughs> he is. Yeah. I've, he's he He's becoming – more of a spy like he's dubious we also learned something interesting by dubious i mean i didn't mean dubious i meant he um is like a good listener i feel like now yeah um i feel like we learned something about niku that was kind of surprising to me that kaz was like no one knows the colossus like niku and i know that's true and we've seen that 
But it was interesting to see this again in the fact that I know that this is going to come up one more time, at least, mm-hmm. where Niku knows the Colossus super well. Yeah, yeah. I And I thought for sure we'd go back down to the turtle people, but we definitely went to another part of the Colossus, which I thought was cool. Yeah, agreed. I, I was surprised by that. Yeah. And and Niku's like basically like self-sacrifice was so funny. I also thought there was a really good moment that was a Last Jedi callback. There was a couple where um, – by a couple, I mean this happened twice, I think, where Kaz encountered that big um, – impasse of all the boxes and he couldn't get around it and it was one of those moments where you're like and Niku also encountered this as well where it was one of those moments where I was like well if they had the force like they'd be able to get around this but I know that they don't so how are they gonna do it you know that yeah (laughs) yeah to me it was like a very clear callback of lifting rocks that's funny and and it was um I don't know it was funny it was like I thought it was a good moment because we're supposed to think about these characters in a different way than our four Caesars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't made that connection at all. I think that's funny. Um, listen, we got to talk about Niku. <laughs> do we? <laughs> we do. Y'all, I mean, this guy, he, one, starts spouting Kaz's backstory to the First Order, just like word <laughs> vomit. And then – and and what I think is funny too is every time that Kaz and, and like Kaz is having a conversation with anyone else, you just see Niku like kind of in the background, like very actively listening. Like he keeps tilting his head, he keeps being like, "Hmm, curious." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then when they, he brings the first order to Kaz, <laughs> and he's like, "I just saw them outside, and so I brought them here." When really it's like, I told them all about you. And I brought them here personally. <laughs> like, and the fact that he knows the, the Colossus so well, he's the one that knows it the best. Why? Because he has to plan his own escape routes and he's got to have a lot of different backup plans in case things go wrong at any given moment. I'm not wrong about this. <laughs> the thing is, is that I, I've said it again and again. I have not seen any reason to not believe. <laughs> like he's he hasn't been like – I'm not the First Order spy. I hate the First Order. I mean, I guess he was like, the First Order is bad equals Empire. I hear about the Empire. That was the first time. But I'm – a lot of stuff adds up. It's a good conspiracy theory. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, in a serious note, I think that your theory about there not actually being a set First Order spy is probably what's going to happen. And if that doesn't happen – and there is a First Order spy, then it's Nico. <laughs> well, we had a listener um, at us on Twitter about how they think that Tora is the spy. And I think I thought that like a couple episodes ago. And I think it's a really good theory just mm-hmm. because Tora knows so much. Like, and we talked about this last episode, like she's going to figure it out soon. Yeah. She's already on to Kaz. And why is she on to Kaz? Maybe it's because she's a spy, you know? And True. I don't I don't know how why they bring in somebody like a 15-year-old girl, but I could also I think I said this when I proposed this theory. I could totally see Star Wars doing that. It's not the first time we've seen um like young girls in places of power. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And it's like it would be the opposite of like Emphis Nest essentially, but yeah. I don't I don't know um I don't know who this I think there's no spy, but I think the Torah being the spy is a pretty good theory. Just, I'd be so sad if she was the spy. I don't know. It might be kind of like badass. Yeah. 
<laughs> I I think I'd be sad too, but um, I am interested to see where they take her character. Now that Sonara like is potentially out of the picture, like I don't know if she's going to come back. I hope she does. I think that we're going to get more Tam and Tora, which I'm actually happy about. I hope so because the the like spread of character time has been super inconsistent. I don't mean that that's <laughs> bad. Reminder that we still don't know all of the aces' names. <laughs> True. Kaz hasn't officially met all of them, which I, I know think... she, he's just like hobnobbed in the in the aces' lounge. I just think it's hilarious because like they were such a big part of the promo, all of them, um, <laughs> acing around the Colossus and. Now we I think this it. is a good lesson in marketing shouldn't take over our reading of the story. You're right. Let's and let's remember we, this. We often do this, and I I know that maybe we should start like repeating it to ourselves as a mantra as the marketing for episode nine kind of gears up. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. <sighs> but then we have something <laughs> like Last Jedi trailer, which was pretty on the nose. <laughs> it really was. Anyway. But- <laughs> anyway, it's been a, our our character. I mean, one, this is the first time that Niku's had a good bit of screen time in the past couple episodes. I can't remember. Like, when did we last see Jaeger? When he popped up on screen, I was like, oh, my God, Jaeger. Hello. Welcome. I know, right? That was a good <laughs> moment when Jaeger was like, let's go talk in, in private about yeah. this. I was ready for it. Yeah, um, me too. And then he didn't show up again for the rest of the episode. And even, like, Tam and Tora are – like, when can I have an episode of Kaz, Tam, and Tora all doing something together? Because it's either, like, Kaz with Tora, Kaz with Niku, Kaz with BB-8. Sometimes Kaz yeah. with Tam. <laughs> like, just – can't they all do, like, a cute little mission together? <laughs> well, I remember Tracy Kenobio saying something about how Tam really gets her moment. And I think it's coming. I hope so. She said that it's, like, closer to the latter half of – so, and so now we're in the latter half. So it's, like – yeah. It's coming. Maybe it'll in the next two episodes. I'm excited. Because now so I mean not that like one female character can only get like the spotlight for one episode, but now that the whole Sonara plotline is like potentially kind of moving on. Mm-hmm. Um I do think that she'll come up later, but yeah. Um I I think that I don't know, now there's room for Tam and Tora's plot lines to progress as well. Yeah, I think you're right, and I'm really excited for that because Tam still has one of my favorite lines in the series so far, which is talking to the kids of Tehar a couple mm-hmm. episodes back, and they're like, they say something cryptic, and she turns around, like does a full 180, and it's like, look, I don't do well with vagueness. What did you mean? <laughs> I, <laughs> I love just, her. I, I love that sass so much. And you know we're going to see the children of Tehara soon oh, again yeah. too. Like so much is around the corner because you're so – we're like we said in the beginning, like there's so many different moving parts. I know that they're going to come back, but it's it's hard to even like conceptualize and imagine that. The pot of boiling water is getting closer to bo- oh bubbling God. over. We're, so we're at like close. 196 degrees Fahrenheit. It's so close, guys. <laughs> it's so close. Um, anyway, I really did like this episode. I feel like I've nitpicked this episode quite a bit. Um, but I No, really... I think it's just because there was a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot of meat there to talk about. Yeah. And and this episode will – I bet this will – this episode in particular be one of those ones that once we have the full season will look a lot different too. Agreed. Or, we'll, or things will make sense is what I'm hoping. Um, yeah. As far as like the setting of like the, the sense of place of the Colossus overall <laughs> in particular. But I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Resistance, First Order Occupation. And the pot is getting ready to boil. 
listeners. So tune in next week. <laughs> yes. As we kick it up another notch. <laughs> Definitely. Um, if you want to find us online, we are at skytalkers.com or on Twitter at skytalkerspod, or you can follow our personal handles at Caitlin Plusher or at Crarity. And if you like what you hear, you can also head on over to iTunes and leave us a review so that other people can find and listen to our show as well. Yes. And I want to thank our amazing patrons, Jason, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Kate, Ewan, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, Ira Bell, Danny, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa, Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Casey, Megan, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Thank you all so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.